Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... Are you cussing with me? No, you cussing with me? Stop cussing. This ain't deaf comedy jam. Yeah, don't like you using foul language. No guns, no foul language, no red meat. And then we heard him saying all these mean things about Jews and using tons of foul language. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you didn't even mention who was going to pay for the wall, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, September 2nd, 2016, Hola, Senor Trump edition of the show, where we talk about Trump going to Mexico so Mexico would not come to him. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by the Taco-pocalypse. It's coming. Millions of taco trucks spreading across the nation on every street corner, cul-de-sac, and every suburban byway. You cannot escape the Taco-pocalypse. Delicious tacos served fresh and hot from our clean trucks by friendly Latino men and women, all at prices you can't resist. From traditional bean, beef, and chicken tacos to West Coast favorite fish tacos, along with delicious sides, Mexican Coke, and ice-cold cervezas. The end of white America was never so tasty as the taco apocalypse. Celebrate the end of Anglo dominance with a Dos Gringos special. Two tacos, any style, and a sweet, delicious Mexican Coke, all for $3.99. The taco apocalypse is coming, America, and it will be muy bueno. Sir, drop the chalupa. Put it down and back away. Sir, don't be silly. Drop the chalupa. I said, drop the chalupa. Put it down, man. Yeah, drop the chalupa. The needs of the uh, many outweighs the needs of the few. And different times, different problems. Uh, yes, indeed, there's a lot of people. Uh, the, my colleague here would not be here. But... Um, we need to understand that this is this is a different different time, and we're having problems here. We need what to problems? we need to reform. What, what, what problems are you talking about? My culture is a very dominant culture, and it's imposing and it's causing problems. If you don't do something about it, you're going to have taco trucks every corner. What are you doing for the Latino community today? I might have tacos when I go home. I'm not quite sure yet. Oh, tequila, sunshine, and tacos never hurt anybody. Waiter, there you are. I will have the enchilada platter with two tacos and no guacamoles, Mike. Yeah, Chief, I'll take a chinchilla. I don't get it. Tacos? They think I'm Mexican. You're not Mexican? It's weeks like this when my poor education during my formative years really limits my creative voice. I, I, I guess that no one in the Deep South thought I would need something like elementary Spanish to savagely mock a racist demagogue during the 1970s. Of course, many of those same people, or at least their children and grandchildren, are supporting that racist demagogue, so maybe they were thinking ahead? Anyway, what I'm left with is the Spanish I learned while serving in various Latin American countries during my military years. That mainly consists of profanities, drink orders, and haggling with prostitutes. Considering, I guess, the nature of this podcast, that's actually all I'm really going to need. And I say this because the shriveled carrot of the GOP spent the bulk of the previous week focusing on the cornerstone of his campaign. 
immigration. Are the Mexicans actually staying? Yes, that was the question that was on everyone's lips, and no one seemed to know the answer to this pivotal, no pun intended question. Least of all, Senor Donaldo, whose positions move around faster than a gringo with Montezuma's Revenge, trying to find a public restroom in Guadalupe Hidalgo. I mean, after the latest campaign shakeup, the Trump camp had been scrambling to find a way to address the quite correct belief that they're little more than a pack of ravening racists whose only electoral appeal is the sort of people who fly a Confederate flag on the back of their pickup trucks. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land, the common clay of the New West. You know, morons. <laughs> Last week, the message was directed at African Americans who were told their pathetic, impoverished, crime-ridden, ill-educated lives were so bad they literally had nothing to lose by voting for the racist cockwad pretending to run for president. This message, for some reason, did not resonate with black people. Oh, hell no. But that's okay, because the message wasn't intended for black people. It was for white people who don't consider themselves racist. They know this because they preface so many sentences with, I'm not a racist, but... And it was telling them it's okay to vote for Trump because, look, he's, quote, reaching out, unquote, to minority voters. Sure, if by reaching out you mean extending your hand and then giving them the middle finger, I guess he's reaching out. It's too early to tell if the softening of the rhetoric is working on the nervous white racist, but it does run the risk of alienating the overt right white racist, otherwise known as Trump's base. Then this week, El Jefe turned his eyes towards the Latino and Hispanics of America, some of whom he assumes are good people. Starting early on this week, Trump began to clarify his positions on immigration, deportation, and the construction of his famed and utterly illusory border wall. By clarify, I mean waffle harder than an ego in an earthquake. Let go my ego. Let go my ego. You'd deny your own father an ego frozen waffle from Kellogg's? With extra batter to make a man size? In the course of seven days, he's contradicted himself more time than a fundamentalist preacher reading a passage from the Old Testament. I mean, the last time I saw this many flip-flops, it was a college dormitory fire drill. His position has less consistency than grade school oatmeal. Oh man, what you trying to say, huh? I'm trying to say he's no fucking clue what he's trying to say. And many of the mouth noises he made had tones of the aforementioned softening to the desperate ear of the mainstream press who needed to hear something, anything, they could construe as a... Here we go, pivot! 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 They need a pivot to make this race seem as though there's really any race at all, because as long as Trump continues his spittle-flecked invective against Latinos, the conclusion is all but foregone. They can't spend the next 60-odd days writing stories about how badly Trump is losing, lest people say they're not being objective. So, the tangerine vestigial penis posing as a politician said some things that appeared to walk back his previous bombast about deporting 11 million people. 
which is a patent impossibility, and building a Mexican-financed border wall, and that is a ludicrous improbability. And this was taken to mean he was just... I was just kidding. Just kidding. This did not go well for the withered swans, as the same people who for the last year lapped the puddled verbal diarrhea from beneath his podium outright revolted at the idea of a Latino immigrant being treated as remotely human. Sentient Scarecrow Ann Coulter wrote this entire book containing many words and very few crudely drawn characters of Jews, Mexicans, and blacks plucked from the images of Stormfront, in which she titled, In Trump We Trust. And it dropped the same exact day that Donnie went on television and said he was reconsidering the idea of mass deportation, proving that, in fact, she could not, indeed, Trump trust. Oh, look at that! You fell for that, too! I can't believe it, man! And was less than philosophical about this change in rhetoric and immediately took to Twitter where she registered his disagreement in mild reproof. No, I'm just kidding. She had an epic meltdown that made Chernobyl look like a bag of microwave popcorn. Translation for millennials, Chernobyl was a Ukrainian nuclear plant that experienced a critical failure triggering a massive meltdown in 1986, resulting in the largest nuclear accident in history, the effects of which are still felt in the world today. I don't want to seem petty, but god damn, watching her lose her shit gave me a larger, harder erection than a fistful of Viagra washed down by a bottle of gin. I don't, dude, 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 whoa. <laughs> TMI, bro. TMI. I mean, she wrote in the damn book that there was only one unforgivable Trump sin, and that was for him to shift on immigration. And here he was doing exactly that on the day that the book dropped. I swear to God, I had to seek medical help for an erection lasting longer than four hours. <laughs> And don't get me wrong, Anne wasn't alone. Much of the alt-right shit the metaphorical bed like a drunk who gorged on Chipotle before passing out. The angry diatribes, the spiteful means, they all proliferated like crabs and a redneck stripper's crotch. Oh, come on, that... That's just sick. Out in the derpospear, the thought that the Messiah would turn out to be not a Messiah, but just some orange dude with a bad toupee, it wounded them in their hearts, and clearly, it could not stand. But you know, over amongst the rank and file of the children of the Trump, the vast mouth-breathing morass who hang on his every word like broken Christmas lights in July on the weathered porch of an American trailer home, there was a collected shrug as they all went back to shouting, Trump, 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 as though invoking his name would magically rid the nation of all of its ills and roll it back to 1962. And it seemed that El Grande Douchebago was indeed shifting toward a position more in, in line with establishment Republican thinking, you know, that they should pander just enough to Latino and Hispanic voters that they might conceivably vote for them, maybe. Indeed, the plan Trump seemed to be endorsing was basically the exact same thing as what Barack Hussein Obama is currently doing. This... It's unacceptable. I mean, Heb! Oh, God, I've missed you, Heb. Came out of wherever Rockies crawled underneath and was positively apoplectic. Oh, 
that wasn't a bit nice. You have made me very angry. Very angry indeed. <laughs> he said all the things that Donald Trump railed against, he seems to be morphing into. And it's kind of disturbing. <laughs> God, I've missed Jeb Bush. I never thought I would say that. For their part, the Trump campaign seemed pleased their president was moderating his position and appeared to be presidential. Vice presidential nominee and sentient semicolon Mike Pence stated there was no change in policy, all the while assiduously dodging any question that could substantively say what those policies might be. Campaign manager Kellyanne Conway, who seems like a nice person and certainly not someone who took a metric fuck ton of money to do a job no one in the right man would ever actually do, particularly a woman, she maintained that there was no shift in policy, all the while intimating there actually was a shift in policy. If indeed there is a policy at all, which no one could appear empirically prove. Steve Bannon, campaign CEO and ambulatory colon polyp, along with being a domestic abuser, insisted that everything Thing was fine and went back to making sure his kids were kept a safe distance from all those shifty Jews. All of this happened and we are not even to Tuesday yet. Tuesday! Because on Tuesday, this shit just got rigged. When Mexican President Enrique Peña Nieto invited Trump to take a boat, hop a train, catch a plane, make a run to the border. And come on down to Mexico to have a chat. Peña Nieto, who previously compared Trump to Hitler, Stalin, and El Diablo, for reasons known only to him and Senor Stinky, the small man that lives in his desk, felt it would be a good idea to invite the most hated American in Mexico since Black Jack Pershing. Translation for most Americans who fell asleep during history class, John J. Pershing was an American army general who invaded Mexico in 1916, ostensibly in retribution for a series of border raids by the Mexican bandit Pancho Villa. It only succeeded in violating Mexican territory and pissing off a bunch of Mexicans and nearly bringing Mexico into World War I on the side of the Germans. Needless to say, this did not sit well with the Mexican people who for some reason feel that El Pine Pequeño has continually and consistently insulted the Mexican people for the better part of a year and a half now. And what is even more surprising is that Trump actually went to Mexico, Although it started to come out that apparently this thing was planned for a long time, but I'm not going to let that interrupt my flow. I guess maybe he heard that the taco bowls down there were even better than the ones in Trump Tower. I, I don't know. What remains to be true is that on Wednesday, he took his amigos Senator Jeff Sessions and manic chatbot Rudy Giuliani on a road trip to Mexico. I don't know why he didn't take Chris Christie with him, probably because he would have wound up just leaving him there, and he would have ended up starring in a Tijuana donkey show. What transpired on the trip with some of the strangest political theater this humble podcaster has witnessed in his 47 years as a jaded observer of the American political system? And keep in mind, I lived through the Reagan administration. The presser that followed the brief meeting between Pina Nieto and the flaccid dingle topped with a tinsel merkin featured a nearly catatonic Trump, mouthing platitudes about how much he loved and respected the American people, while the Mexican president dodged rotten tomatoes and tossed shoes. Let 
didn't actually happen mostly because of heavy security presence and keeping a lot of local media out of the event. During said press event, Donnie flatly stated the core issue of his Mexican policy never even came up. You know, about the part where he builds a giant wall across the southern border and gets the nation and people of Mexico to pay for said edifice. If you think it's strange that an American presidential candidate would say such an clearly insane thing, then meet with the president of the country he said that clearly insane thing about, and neither one of them might at least bring it up in sort of a roundabout way. So, hey, that wall thing, you know, something like that, well, you would be a rational human being. Trump, being neither of those things, claims the topic was not even hinted at. Presidente Peña Nieto simply stood by and let that nugget plop to the floor like the spillage from a toddler's overloaded diaper during the press conference, and then immediately issued a statement after Trump was gone, saying that they in fact did discuss the matter, and he was quite clear on his position, which mirrored former president Vincente Fox. I declare, uh, I'm not going to pay for that fucking wall. President Peña Nieto is a very unpopular figure in Mexico and shouldn't be trusted with any more responsibility than a night shift assistant manager to Juarez Carl's Jr. But compared to Trump, he's a paragon of virtuous honesty. So given the choice between believing him and a guy who's told more lies than a 22-year-old me trying to convince a girl I was a hotshot fighter jock hoping she would let me into her pants, I'm going with the Carl's Jr. night shift assistant manager. Because when Trump landed in Phoenix on Wednesday night for his long-awaited speech on immigration, all signs of the great waffler had disappeared and the rabid shit-slinging orangutan with a bad comb-over we've all grown to loathe and his supporters love like the Lord God himself, if the Lord God were a real and complete fucking Nazi fuckstain, was back in all of his resplendent vitriol. You use your tongue prettier than a $20 whore. Oh, thanks, Gavin. That's why I became a podcaster. That's really sweet of you. All the conciliatory flip-floppery was nothing more than a fart in the wind. And Senor Donaldo laid out the raw, rancid red meat of his immigration policy for everyone to look upon in despair. Except, of course, for the racist redneck fucktards it was designed to appeal to in the first place. El Guapo Dickbag, David Duke approved speech before the kind of crowd usually gathered only at tractor pulls and clan rallies was an extremely clear statement on his position. There would be no amnesty for any illegal alien within the borders of the United States. And hey, if a few beaners got swept up in his dragnets who might have accidentally been bored on this side of the wall, tough titties, right? He called for a special deportation task force all presumably dressed in a nice brown shirt with a snazzy red armband. He snapped back to his ideological test for anyone wanting for some crazy reason to come to live in America with Trump president. Shit, if I was in Canada right now, I'd be prepping my own version of that test that asked one question. Did you vote for a lunatic reality show shitbag for president? Yes or no? Anyone who answers no would be granted asylum. Anyone answering yes would be vigorously slapped and then booted back across the border into Trumplandia. In short, 
all the talk about waffling and flip-flopping that even I had been sneering about up until this point was gone, and all that was left was the rabid, xenophobic asshole that at least 43% of the United States seems perfectly okay with running this country, quickly and decisively into the ground just a few short months into his term as the last president of the United States of America. And all over what? Illegal immigrants? only a tiny fraction of whom committed any crime other than how they came into the country. Statistically, undocumented immigrants are far less likely to commit criminal acts within the United States, and this comes from no less than noted liberal commie pinko rag the Wall Street fucking journal. This bullshit about illegals taking American jobs? What jobs? What jobs are they taking? Because I don't see a lot of red-blooded white American males lining up down at the Home Depot looking for a day job carrying bricks on the Trump construction site. I don't see a lot of good old boys trimming the green on the 13th hole of the Trump golf course. And of course, all the white mothers are turned away from lucrative positions changing the fucking sheets at a Trump hotel. Show me a white person picking avocados in Central California and I will show you a campaign ad from a Trump pack. This whole thing isn't about jobs or crime, it's about the brown skin. Trump dementalists want Latinos out so badly because they're the one group they think they can get out, unlike those uppity blacks, which they can't. Most of these racist pricks don't even see undocumented immigrants, unless they're appearing on a scare story on Fox News, well, except for those guys that they hire to mow their lawns, but those guys are okay, and you have to see how much it costs to get a white guy to mow your lawn. I mean, even the Thompson boy down the street wants more than they do, and he's only in sixth grade. And this isn't even mentioning how bad we actually need immigrants in this country. I don't know if you've taken a look around the country lately, but working white people are dying at a fearsome clip. I mean, these fuckers are just dropping dead left and right. Pretty soon, there won't be any old white dudes left out there in real America. I don't see why this should be a problem. No one is quite sure why white dudes are dying young like they are. Could be a lot of things. Bad food, no exercise, smoking, drinking. Shit, those are the things that are going to put me into an early grave. I can imagine with lawnmower accidents and having a stock car plow into stands at a NASCAR race, you're looking at the cause of the massive die-off. On a more serious note, immigration is a key driver of economic growth, a base of entrepreneurship, and a hedge against population shrink. New immigrants to a country have more children than established citizens. They tend to start more small businesses and work harder so their families prosper. You know, that whole American dream thing. In countries with stringent immigration policies, their economies are crumbling and their population is shrinking. Japan is well and truly fucked because ain't nobody in Japan fucking anymore. At least not people. Do not want to go into what's going on with pillows and sex dolls over there. And they are paying a price. And it's starting to happen here. Our birth rates around them, among the upper middle class are dropping. And we kind of need new people in the economy to pay for the Social Security and Medicare for all the graying peoples in the country in a few years. And they had coming from the next generation of real Americans, most of whom seem to be sleeping on their mama's couch and playing Xbox into the wee hours of the morning. But hey, it's okay, because, you know, they're on government disability from their two-week job at the Amazon warehouse where they, quote, hurt their back, unquote. Always remember these guys who are on the government disabilities check, think that the government is bad. And almost all of them are voting for Trump. It appears 
My hypocrisy knows no bounds. In the end, the Trump evangelicals don't want immigrants in the country so they can sit and stew in their own shit while slowly waiting to die, and they sure as fuck don't want a bunch of foreigners around to make them all look bad, working hard like they do, starting businesses and sending their kids to college so they can be something more than a gardener at a Trump-banded business because it reminds them too much of all the things they could be doing of all the factories making the shit Trump sells hadn't moved to Mexico. Nothing makes a lazy, ignorant, racist fuck look worse than a hard-working immigrant doing better than he is. And that isn't what America is supposed to be about. Except, you know, that's what it's always been about. Immigrants were and are the driving force of this nation. They've also been the whipping boys for countless generations of nativist assholes who blame them for all the societal ills the actual nativist assholes created. From the Irish to the Latin Americans, immigrants do all the work, except for the work that the black slaves did. And indeed, one can accurately say they made, the immigrants and the black slaves, America great. Take them out of the country and it won't be great. It would be the opposite of great. It would be an economic and social wasteland. If you need proof, look around at some of the hotbeds of Trumpentology and see what an America without immigrant lo- immigrants looks like. And ask yourself, is that someplace you would want to live? Yeah, me neither. So come November, you know what you have to do. That is it for our show this week. This is show number 75. My God, who would think that a show this bad could go on for that long? Hey, I want to apologize for all the awful, awful, awful Spanglish puns I've used throughout this week's show. I lay the blame solely on the American educational system and not my inherent laziness when it comes to learning things like the second largest language in the country and the predominant lingua franca of my neighborhood. I mean, look, me, I can shoot some Latin shit like that out, but I can't do better than, hey, thanks, Poppy, when the guy at the bodega gives me my pack of Marlboros. I suck. I really do. Do you know what does not suck? Rating and reviewing this show on iTunes and Stitcher. Unless, of course, you think the show sucks, and that would truly suck. You can also not know this, but the show has a Twitter feed at the hell underscore podcast where the kind of witticism repartee you hear here is doled out at 140 characters at a time, which a lot of people think that's a better way. It may not be a surprise to you, but I'm, I'm something of a thing on Twitter this week. You, you probably retweeted me. The show is also on Facebook at the show name and SoundCloud at the show name, and all of our shows can be found at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave Bledsoe, our wonderful producer, El Gringo Gavin, who I have not made fun of at all this week. I'm trying to change, buddy. Trying to change. And all the other fictional hombres on this here podcast, we want to say, how far down can this election go? When Trump was ranting about Morning Joe, you can look deep into his eyes. I mean, they're even about supermodels. Uh Uh-huh. It's you and me, baby. No one else we can trust. It's Hillary or bust. Never flinch or shy. If she loses, it's over for everybody. We'll see you all next week. Well, it's you and me, baby. No one else we can trust. We'll say nothing to no one. Know how we bust and never crack a smile or flinch or cry. But nobody 
Seltzer Kings Podcasts.